0: Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show.
1: And the power is back. I don't know if it it won't go away now. You're
2: fine. No, yeah, yeah. Just a matter of time before the the cable and the uh, the internet and all that sort of stuff comes back as
1: well. Yeah. So that was. So well, I'm sure if you have mom checking it, it might come back a little faster. She's better at that than I. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know what to do. But the squeal. Yeah. Oh, there's lights in the kitchen. That's, you know. But I thought it could be a false flag.
0: Stay still. <laughs>
3: This is General George Washington, and you're listening to The Tony Kornheiser
1: Show. So, in that open, what is the most important sentence? The most important sentence is, it's just a matter of time before the internet comes back. And as I sit here two days hence from the last time we spoke, it still isn't back. I have no internet. This means I I cannot watch television, I have no television. When I go to my phone in my house and access the New York Times and the Washington Post online, I get three days ago's paper. It has not, it's not updated. It's not updated. Hmm. Uh, the lead story in the sports section is about Megan Rapino. This is three days ago in the Washington Post. Way to keep that data usage down. It doesn't, nothing updates. I don't, you know, and so I don't know, I don't know how we're doing this show. My opinion was we cannot do this show without guests. We did the one show without guests, and then the genius, who is Sean and Nigel, worked this out so we can have guests today. That is correct. Allegedly, we can have guests today, and all I have to do is use a different headset Yes. somehow. I'm I don't, surprised
3: you haven't complained about that.
1: I don't, I don't understand w- what this is, but, but let me get to the larger issue here, which is on my block, and in many blocks in Washington, D.C., there is power on some, on some blocks. I'm sure there is no power still. I'm sure that's true, but we were very fortunate to get power back. So we have refrigeration and we have air conditioning and we have lights and things like that. But we don't on my block have internet at all. And when I walked the dog the other night, I saw two different people and they said, "No, we don't. We don't have anything." A lot of people get out of town and they just leave, and that's how they deal with the problem. Um, but I. I sit here and I wait. Yesterday, for example, let me, and I don't even want to say that the people from Verizon and Comcast are lying dogs. I mean, I, I, there's there's no point in me shouting and screaming at these
3: people. You're certainly hinting at it.
1: You know, um, like, for example, Chip from Comcast has been on the phone with me a lot. He gives me discouraging news. The yes. news is, I'm sorry, we're not going to get it as soon as you want it. It's going to take a little bit longer. Yes. But the Verizon people who made an appointment to come over hmm. yesterday between two and four, they didn't They didn't show up. They didn't call. We called them, and they very brusquely said back to us, hey, we're, this is like a 10 to four. We're still within the window. When we miss the window, then let us know. <laughs> and they missed the window in 10 minutes, and then they were on hold for like four hours. And so, they, so the Verizon people, they d- didn't even have... Any courtesies whatsoever, as as far as their customer, me, was concerned. We made this studio so that either Verizon or Comcast... That's
3: the best part of it.
1: ...could supply the power, thinking that if one went out, we'd have the other one. And we got neither. Yeah. We have neither. And I, 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 what is the premise of the show? The premise of the show is... Tony's rich and famous, but his life is just like yours. It is. It's just like yours. I don't have power. You don't have power. I get to talk about it. And I get to be upset at the fact that when people say, I'll do this between this time and that time, and they don't even call you. They don't, they don't get back to you.
3: You've had better luck. I have not had better luck in that. We, we still don't have internet or uh, TV, all that, which makes sense. What? Where I've had the struggle is, you're seeing two sides. Comcast, there's an interesting psychology about this. They're giving you the doomsday, and hopefully they're going to beat that date and the time. Verizon's going the other way. They're giving us what seems like reasonable targets yesterday at 5 p.m., this morning at 9.15. You go, how are you figuring out a quarter after the hours when you're going to get this power back on? But we, as soon as this went down, Liz being the dutiful subscriber that she is, starts... Uh, sending it all the messages like internet out uh, because again so many people are out of town they're not getting the accurate map and we're trying to relay we don't think it's a house issue there's no downed wires by you know immediately by us i don't have everything into the house seems fine but they have to start small and go to the big. So we had a wonderful tech who came over. And again, we're like, we'll show you the box. The issue is not in the house, but he still has to go to the basement, checks where the wires are coming in, goes up onto well, the, tele- the, the electrical They pole. didn't come here and
1: they didn't call. Right.
3: So at that point, when you get the when you get the, the tech is supposed to visit, you're a day and a half after when we had it. And they should just say to you, we know it's not with you. We're working on the bigger issue down the street. And, and that would have been fine. Some sort of
1: communication would have been fine. But what you get, and by the way, when you talk to Comcast and you talk to Verizon, and I, I'm, not, I'm not even saying this is not true. They say, well, it's not our fault. Yeah. There's nothing we can do. We have to wait for Pepco. It's not our fault. When yeah. Pepco clears it, then we can start and do something. It's not our fault. No one ever says, it's my fault. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> so having yeah. talked to the Verizon no, no, people. Like, take the Nathaniel Hackett point of view.
3: I had a a <laughs> year. I get it. No. <laughs> All of, all of the Verizon is basically coming into this neighborhood from one box that got the worst destruction. How is it possible that everything is coming to this? It, maybe it was the first house or the first intersection around here that got Verizon Fios. Yeah. I thought Comcast, which has been around forever, would just be able to flip it back on a little faster. So, it's, you know, you can't do it. And people are still cutting down trees.
1: Yeah. There are roads still blocked as people cut down trees. And, yeah, I understand that Pepco, excuse me, Pepco's on the front line. They are the electrical company. They've got to go out there and do it. But try not to tell me then. I always we should have this done by X. And then, oh, it's not going to work because we can't do it. Did you try restarting your modem? We did that a thousand times. You did that a thousand times. Yeah. It was really just the,
2: we're still in the window. Don't hassle us, Jack.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you and then ten minutes later, later they miss the window and then, then they, they, and then they this disappear.
3: Liz is giving you the update about the Verizon because we're about a half day ahead of you in terms of right. our communication. You're then sharing this with Nigel. Nigel's then reaching back to me, and it's just we're all piggy yep. back and forth, sharing yep. the same outdated info. I have to tell you, I have to tell you this correctly. See what happens now,
1: and this didn't happen. I sent Norby Williamson a note the other day. I said, It's like I'm back in the eighties. Except I can't hit it 220. I can't even hit it 180. I don't have this and I don't have that and I don't have all of these other things. So I'm out. So as a result of, of all of the road closures, the mass of the driving population that depends upon maps, somebody in your car telling you where to go, some disembodied voice, they start going through your neighborhood like you have never seen this many cars in your life yeah. as they're rooted down streets. Caravans. We go, where are they
3: going? What?
1: What? We Possibly- had to take our car
3: off the street because the tree trucks are going by at such speed. So, yeah. yeah. So yesterday I'm, I'm walking the dog in the evening and I'm walking
1: the dog and, and this particular street I'm on has a caravan of cars. Like, as far as you can see on the street, there's 30 to 40 cars, and they're all going five miles an hour because they don't really know where they're going. And when you're walking a dog, they, they take care to look for you because sure. the dog could dart out or something like that. And I tend to hold the dog very close and just wave them on. I mean, I don't, wanna, if my, I don't want my dog in the middle of the street when this happens. So there's this one guy, and he's driving a true green truck. And he looks at me and the dog, and he goes, Whoa! Uh, I just look at him. He goes, you're him. No, 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 no. You're him. That's right. Michael you're Wilbon. ESPN. You're ESPN, right? Right? No, he stopped. There's 40 cars behind him.
3: Yeah, get that selfie. He yeah, does that. Yeah.
1: He puts the car into park. He gets out of the car with a oh, phone. Whoa. I need this in my life. Yeah. And I just said, okay. He says, I'm just going to take a picture of you. I said, let's let's go the route. You know, let's just take it together. Where are you and from? And he said, you know,
3: <laughs> no. oh, he's from DC.
1: You know, and and people are just. Did you start
3: directing traffic at this no, point? Yeah. And
1: people are just amazed. So when he leaves, as they drive by me, they're mad at me. Yeah. What do you do? They're mad at me. You should have said, Would you like a picture I too? I said to him, You're not going to do this. He said, Oh, no, I am. ESPN. <laughs> and at finally, one point, he, he gets it out. He goes, Kornhauser? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That was the weirdest thing. That was the weirdest thing. By the way, can I tell the story of the saddest
2: car in my neighborhood? Yeah. So, as you know, we had big trees go down yeah. in Glover Park. And there was this one particularly, must have been 100 years old, just a gigantic yeah. tree. Does not fall towards the road and houses. It falls towards this massive parking lot for this apartment building, and you could not see that there was anything under it. So at first I thought, oh well, that's very fortunate, and they did a great job of getting rid of all the trees. So now the tree is completely gone, and there's this one car it with its it just completely crushed, and I can, and it's just sitting yeah. there. And I can only think the owner on vacation, coming back to see that and be like, what what happens? Mm. <laughs> there's no tree around it. So sorry about that, mate. Sorry.
1: By the way, uh, for those of you who
3: wondered, is it still wedding season? Uh, It is, isn't it, Michael? It's still wedding season. It is. uh, Happy to share nine years in with uh, my wonderful, beautiful wife, Liz. Uh, It's amazing. I I married my best friend, and every day I just I smile at how lucky I am. And the children, the children don't know about this day. They don't know about we we started to tell them.
1: Well, there won't be a plane, will there?
3: Oh, well, That's a direct well, quote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, but at the anniversary. Thank you. I did the math. It's been a quarter of my life that I have been married. Uh, and it's amazing. You see, I'm sure, I, whether you have a long-term partner, uh, a spouse, anyone who's important to your life, to see how that relationship Love changes. Them. And so it just gets better and better.
1: We're so happy for you.
3: We're much happier for you than we are for...
1: Verizon.
3: Oh well, we're yeah. still we're still in the window. Go
1: yeah. yes, and exactly. Your Comcast. Yeah. And it all relates back to me to Cigna. Oh yes. It's Cigna. Cigna somehow is Cigna responsible. Cigna is this. yes, Cigna, calculated indifference, gives no aid. <laughs> and then they send you they actually send you email that say, Are you happy with our service? Would you like to take out this you know, would you like to take on this survey? survey? And I, I take on the survey and I write how much Love I hate this. The and people. they don't you know, they don't <laughs> Thanks.
2: <laughs>
3: our Verizon bill came through yesterday morning. Day, yeah. You know, day two or th- day three without the service. Yeah, that's always time. Like-
1: oh, I'm absolutely going to be calling when I get these bills. <laughs> a free well, month wait, of HBO. What about, yeah, what about this oh, yeah. stuff? you can handle Forget that, get the yeah. sports you know, pass. And they'll say, well, we can give you United Airlines points. No.
0: <laughs> no, take that. money off. <laughs>
1: yes. All right, we will take a break. Allegedly, we have guests. Allegedly, Tim Kirchner is next. We're going to try
3: our best. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
4: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: Johnny sat alone, it was hard to sleep. Johnny's got problems, but Johnny's got big dreams. He could buy that boat and feel
1: the ocean breeze. I don't understand why they broke up. (laughs) I I mean, I'm not a punk rock guy. I love Hot Pink Hangover. Yes. I love Hot Pink Hangover. Yes. Totally love them. This is called the Summer Johnny Drowned. Admittedly, not a song I would go for (laughs) myself, personally. But come on, this is Hot Pink Hangover. Yes. Just wonderful. And they're playing in Tim Kirchhoff. And the news is the trade deadline and the fact that two hall of fame pitchers who were together on the New York Mets for an hour and a half, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander were traded separately, but end up in the same division where they could actually pitch against each other in the playoffs. Scherzer to Texas Verlander back to Houston where he, I mean, it's the world series ring that he won last year is still warm. Um, I, I, Tim, I, I don't know where to start, other than what does this say about the Mets? What do you make of this?
5: Well, this is uh, this is the Mets doing a do over starting next year. That they looked and said, "We just spent more money on payroll than any team in the history of baseball, and we're going to finish under five hundred and hopelessly out of the pennant race." So, in order to start to rebuild if that's the word, for the future. They traded two Hall of Fame pitchers. They paid a lot of money to get rid of them. They are going to save a lot of money on their contracts. They did pick up some young kids, including Ronald Acuna Jr.'s little brother, and they're going to reset for next year. The problem, Tony, is this. I'm not sure who's going to be in the rotation for next year, having just traded they two best pitchers. They're going to have Kodei Senga, who's having a good year, and then they're going to have to figure out the rest of their rotation for next year. They don't have a whole lot in the minor league system. And other than Shohei Otani, it's not a great year for free agent pitchers. So they've got their work cut out for them to put a representative team on the field next year, and I did not see this complete overhaul happening, at least I didn't see it a month ago.
1: They didn't just trade pitchers. They traded some everyday players. They shed a lot of people, right?
5: Yeah, they traded two outfielders, Tommy Pham, who's basically been one of their best hitters the last few months, and Mark Canna, another outfielder. Both are free agents at the end of the season. So they were they were getting rid of expiring contracts and pretty much starting over next year. But you're right. they Even we heard last night that they – He sent a bunch of minor leaguers to Kansas City just in case they didn't have enough major leaguers to play in the game last night. That's how big of an overhaul this is for the Mets. And, Tony, it's hard to argue, really, with what the Mets did, given when they look at the Braves right now. The Braves are demonstrably better than the Mets are, and they're going to be that much better next year. So the Mets have to look at it like, should we stand pat and then go toe-to-toe with the Braves next year, when really over the last calendar year, they finished 28 games behind the Braves in the standings. That's how much better the Braves have been, and the Braves are going to be really good next year, and the Mets are just looking at another way to attack them.
1: Who takes responsibility for this, Tim? Is this the owner? Is this the general manager who stands up and says, we're done with what we tried. This is what we're going to do now.
5: This is the owner doing this. And, And he hasn't been direct about this, but Max Scherzer was quoted yesterday as saying one reason he accepted the trade to the Rangers was after speaking to Steve Cohen, Steve Cohen said, we're we're going to do a reset for next year, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but the number one goal for next year is mm-hmm. not necessarily to spend all this money and try to win in every possible way like we have the last two years, and that's when Scherzer said, well, if there's a reset for next year, I need to go somewhere where I have a better chance to win. So this is on the owner, and it should be because he's been pretty forthright about a lot of things, And he's got to be deeply disappointed. All the money spent on the Mets this year, and this is where they are.
1: I like the signings of the pitchers. I liked Scherzer and Verlander. Verlander won the Cy Young last year in Houston. Um, Verlander, by the way, in his last seven or eight starts has an ERA under two because he's probably figured out what went wrong. I liked them. Did you like them?
5: I did, Tony. I was a little bit... It was a little jarring how much they gave each pitcher, late 30s, early 40s, $43 million a year. Mm-hmm. But I remember saying mm-hmm. they needed to add frontline starting pitching, and they added two future Hall of Famers. And you're right. Berlander's last seven starts, six earned runs, 42 innings. He looks like the pitcher that won the yeah. Cy Young last year. So it's, it's easy to look back and say, why did they sign those two older guys when most of us were on board saying, "All right, these are the final pieces to get the Mets to the World Series." They did win 101 games the year before last, and I I just think the the injury to Edwin Diaz, the closer, early, you know, in in March, really put this team behind the eight ball, and then after that, everything else went wrong.
1: So, I mean, I should point out that both Scherzer and Verlander beat the Nats in their last starts, and their reward was to be traded to a contending team in either case. But you you have to ask yourself, as soon as I heard about Verlander, and I'm not surprised that Verlander left, you know, to get to a contender and maybe get another World Series ring, which I think would be his third, I think. But why didn't the Astros simply keep him last year? Why didn't they try to keep him? they
5: only wanted to offer him two years, and he got three years from the Mets, which was part of this deal. Now if he pitches 140 innings next year, his option year automatically vests for 25, uh, 2025 at $35 million, and the Astros weren't mm-hmm. willing to go that far. Well, they got him back at a relatively good price for, even if there is an option picked up in 2025... And now they have, in theory, him for three more postseasons this year, next year, and 2025. And, right. again, they their starting pitching is pretty good anyway. One of their guys, Bramber Valdez, threw a no-hitter last night. And now they add the last piece to this rotation. Tony, to me, the Astros, everything has gone wrong for them this year when it comes to injuries. They're a half a game out of first place. They just got Justin Verlander. I think they're going to be the team to beat in the American League when we start the playoffs in October.
1: Were you particularly surprised by any team becoming a buyer and or a seller that you said, whoa, I didn't see this coming?
5: Um, I didn't see the Angels becoming this big of a buyer. I knew they were going to do whatever it took to try to keep Shohei Ohtani in town, but they went and got three players and gave up some prospects, prospects that they don't really have in their farm system in order to convince Otani, look, we're trying to win. We're going to make the playoffs this year, which is, <laughs> is going to be very difficult given their schedule. But, yeah, the Angels were just a little bit more active than I thought they would be. But more important, there were some other teams, Tony, that were didn't do much of anything. And that really surprised me. How could the Yankees not do something here? They're in last place. They're three games under five hundred. Over five hundred, they're hitting two thirty as a team. They struck out thirty-seven times the last three games and scored six runs. They are in deep trouble trying to make the playoffs, and they didn't even address what is a very, very woeful offense at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that because that—that's the Yankees' move year after year after year, and they have not done that. There's a, you know, the Cubs, I guess, became buyers to a certain degree the cardinals just stripped themselves but they kept Nolan Arenado right i mean are you surprised they kept him um,
5: i'm a little surprised but when you sold you know 3.2 million yeah. tickets in st louis for a season and people are driving 4 hours to come see the cardinals play and you trade goldschmidt and arenado uh, that that may not be the right optic for the cardinals and arenado of course has a no trade i really believe if they had worked a deal with the dodgers and Dodgers have young pitching to, to trade. But the Dodgers have everything. Um, they, they could have acquired Nolan Arenado, and I think, I think he would have waived his no trade to go to L.A. because that's kind of where he's from. Dodgers could have really used him, but it didn't work out and for either team. And now the Cardinals are looking at themselves in kind of a rebuild themselves with all the people that they let go, all their expiring pitchers, Uh, on contracts. Now they have a lot of work to do in the offseason.
1: Is there one team where you say they are the biggest winner? One team.
5: I think the Astros are the biggest winner because they got the best pitcher on the market. But the Rangers did some really good things here, Tony. They've never won the World Series. And they went and got Max Scherzer for the stretch run because their starter's ERA in in July was over five. They also got Jordan Montgomery, who's going to help them. They also got Austin Hedges, a catcher who's going to help them. They have a Hall of Fame manager running the team this year, and they have a real chance to be a dangerous team given how well they swing the bat. So I I really liked what the Rangers did, and now we're looking at the Astros and the Rangers going head-to-head the rest of the season in the AL West. and, And other than the Orioles, those might be the two best teams in the American League. It
1: is irresistible, Tim, to think that in the playoffs... In the in the last round before you get to the World Series, that Max Scherzer could get on the mound against Justin Verlander, right? That's irresistible. Everybody would watch that.
5: Of course they would, Tony. And this. Is... You don't have to love baseball for this, but this is what the free agent era has brought, is that guys just bounce around, move around, and suddenly, out of nowhere, teammates on the Mets are now pitching against each other in the biggest game in the American League in 2023. That could conceivably happen, that these two teams meet in huge games, and we got Verlander, Scherzer, teammates in Detroit, teammates in New York going up against each other at age 40 and 39 I mean it's it's just yeah. beautiful how baseball lines things up like this at times
1: I'll give you, I'll get you out of here on this and 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 everybody who listens to me knows how much I love Max Scherzer he's my favorite pitcher he's going to go to the Hall of Fame having pitched for at least 6 different teams which I believe is unprecedented or certainly highly unusual that to me is is the change in in all of sports with free agency, you know what I mean, Tim that did you just yeah Hall of Fame guys don't do this, they don't go to six different teams
5: right, but this is the era in which we play now, Tony when people are making forty three million dollars a year at age thirty eight and are jumping from team to team at the trade deadline. This is what separates baseball from the game we saw. 40, 50, 60 years ago. I mean, Bob Gibson always pitched for the Cardinals every game, and it just doesn't work that way anymore. This is not going to detract from Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander jumping around like this because this is the industry in which they play under right now, and free agency has just changed the game. The money has changed the game. So if you're Max Scherzer and you still have value, why not jump around as long as you can get to a team that can win?
1: Thank you so much, Tim. We'll talk soon. Appreciate it. Okay, Tony.
5: It. Talk to you soon. See you.
1: Tim Kirchin, boys and girls. We will come back, hopefully, with Taylor Twellman. That's 50-50 shot for us. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
3: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.
1: Once again, we have Hot Pink Hangover. This is a song called Falling Away, and I should tell you that this Saturday, Hot Pink Hangover will be playing the Summer of Littles event. Listeners can watch a live stream of the performance, or if they happen to be in Minneapolis, they can come to the Uptown VFW, and tickets for both the live stream and live event can be found on www.hotpinkhangover.com. It's just, it's you know, I, I think that's a lovely thing to do if you're in that area. Yeah. Michael, if people like Hot Pink Hangover want to send us their original music, how do they do it?
3: Send us your music by emailing it to
1: jingles at com. Again, this is Hot Pink Hangover Falling Away, and it plays in Taylor Twelman. I did some small amount of research on him yesterday. I should tell people that, uh, I don't know when, I don't know how many years ago, but he came on the PTI show with me and Wilbon. He was great. He was absolutely great. And I said... Let's get him back. And I found out he works for another company now. (laughs) But then I found out that you played soccer at Maryland. You're a local for us, right? You went to Maryland for a couple of years. I did,
4: Tony. Two semesters. And uh, you're going to find this hysterically funny that I am still... God rest his soul, Chris Farley, Tommy Boy. I'm still enrolled at University of Maryland, and I I'm plan on graduating in the next, <laughs> I would say, 12 to 18 months, finally. I'll be 50 years old when I graduate, but so what?
1: That's wonderful. You played at Maryland for a little while, and then you became a professional soccer player. And you started, I think you grew up in St. Louis, which has always been hotbed of soccer. Why did you choose Maryland?
4: I think a large part Tony was because I went on a baseball scholarship. Um, I, I was a really, my grandfather played 12 years in the majors, 19 years pro ball, won a couple World Series with the Yankees and so baseball was a huge part of my life Tony and so there was about 12 schools in the United States that said I would start freshman year at shortstop and on the soccer team. Maryland was one of those. And obviously, uh, I, there was always a natural, I would say, energy with the capital of the United States. And when I went to campus and I just saw what Sasha Sorovsky and the baseball program were doing, now Matt Swope is, is the manager. He was my roommate with the baseball team, uh, there was just a lot of synergy there to be to be a Terp, and uh, yeah, it was the right decision, Tony, for me.
1: If you had, if if you could just cast your life the way you wanted it to be, would you have been a professional baseball player, a major league baseball player?
4: Uh, Tony, I think so. Yes, absolutely. I think the the way my love and passion was, my grandfather was a huge part of my life growing up. Uh, I loved playing shortstop. Um, there was just something that naturally brought me to uh, baseball. Absolutely. Now, I love golf as much as anything. That's a different conversation. But my uncle was on the PJ Tour as well. So, I, Tony, I wanted to be a pro athlete. Now, if I could cast my life differently, would it have been baseball or golf? That's a real good debate. But ironically, I don't know if it would have been soccer, and yet here we are, and you're talking to me, so it, it worked out okay. But my family is all sports, and and I still have always been that way.
1: Wait a second, your grandfather has World Series rings. What was his What was his name as he played? And you have an uncle who was a pro. What What were their names? Was it Twelman?
4: No, no. So it was my mom's side. So Tony, if you go to Cooperstown and you see a picture of Eddie Goodell. It, People may not know this story, but he was the little person that played for the St. Louis Browns in one game. He took four four pitches, all four were balls, and he's walking to first base and he's shaking a guy's hand. That guy's hand is my grandfather. That pinch ran for him. Now, Peter Gammons told me when I I, I got the, abil- uh, the chance to take uh, batting practice with the Red Sox early in my professional soccer career, he told me many stories about Jim Delsing, so Jim Delsing was my grandfather. It's my mom's dad, and his son is Jay Delsing, who was on the pJ tour for say 20, twenty one years or whatever it is. So those are that's my mom's side, and so that's my maternal connection to professional sports.
1: This is fa- I'm going to get off this, but this is totally fascinating to me, but I want to get on something else. you're doing I think you you're doing the broadcast for Apple, Apple is doing major League soccer broadcasts. Are you now uh, the Lionel Messi beat? Is that what we're talking about? Because his introduction to American soccer is greater even than Pelé's Mm -hmm. in the sense of what he accomplished in his first two games. Is that is that your life now, Messi?
4: Yeah, absolutely, Tony. Before you called me this morning, I had to get up, I had to make sure the shower was lukewarm for him, I had to get him <laughs> coffee, I had to get him muffins, donuts, uh, basically whatever Lionel Messi needs right now from Apple's perspective, I'm delivering it to him.
1: <laughs> that's that's really funny. I mean, I'm old enough, I'm older than you by a lot, and I'm old enough to remember when Pelé came here and Beckenbauer came here and Canalia came here in the old North American Soccer League. But I don't think they were as close to their prime as Messi is. And what Messi did in these first two games, uh, like, you're awestruck, right? Even if you're like me, you're not a soccer guy, you're awestruck by this.
4: Yeah, Tony, I think you hit the nail on the head in many a ways. It's so different than what Pelé and Beckenbauer did with the Cosmos. 1975, the opening game for Pelé and the Cosmos, was on Randall's Island, where the field was spray-painted green because it was all dirt. There were beer bottles on the field. Nobody saw pictures of that until years later. My father was in the NASL. He was playing during that time. He played against the Cosmos many a times at Giants Stadium and yet never saw video. So I get it. It's 48 years later, so the world's completely different. But Pelé came to the United States and to North America He was already done with Brazil. Messi just won a World Cup with Argentina six months ago. So I I think you are rightfully so saying that he's still in his prime. He still has two, two and a half years left in his body where Barcelona, PSG, anyone would have taken Messi. Where I think Pelé and Beckenbauer, yes, it's different times, but they came to the Cosmos because they were done. They introduced the sport to North America. This is way different. And honestly, Tony, nobody, only you would fully understand what I mean by this. But Apple TV has zero geo blocks, zero blackouts. So 107 countries can see anything and everything Messi does in an inner Miami jersey. Wow. That's very difficult to quantify versus what Zlatan did with LA when it was just ESPN and Fox that had those rights. Now you can expand the growth of Major League Soccer very quickly. I think this is going to be exponentially different than what Pelé did with the Cosmos.
1: So you're there. You're in the booth. You're watching this. You were a pro soccer player. What I, I mean, what do you say when you're off camera, when you're off mic, and you see him two games in a row do these extraordinary things, rise up, up actually above what anybody could have expected in terms of greatness, how, are, what do you say about that?
4: Tony, it's hard. It's difficult to quantify it. Uh, honestly, like yeah, I played against Messi in 2007 in Copa America, U.S. versus Argentina, and that was before he became a god. But there was always the signs, and you already knew something was going to be special. And I remember that day. But I will never forget his debut for Inter-Miami and then what he did to follow that up. And what mm-hmm. I've said to many of people is that the Hollywood scriptwriters and actors may be on strike, but someone wrote a script and said there's no way that can be outdone by Lionel Messi and yet Messi and his family. I mean, the one thing, Tony, that I'll tell everyone and everyone until the day I die is the smile on his face when that free kick went in And he immediately turns to celebrate with his mom, his dad, his wife, his kids. That is why he's here. That is why he's in the United States. That is why he wants to be the face of this sport and this league for the next three years and years to come. That is why he didn't go to Saudi Arabia. And that will be a picture that stands out in my mind for the the day I die.
1: Again, I am not a soccer person, not not at all. And I would not claim to be and, and try to insinuate that I knew anything about soccer. But what he did, it speaks to the fact that he understands what is expected of him. There are great superstars. Not all of them understand that. That's on the Michael Jordan level, what he did, which is you're paying money to see me. You're watching me on television. I'm going to deliver beyond your expectations. I think I'm right on that, right, Taylor?
4: Yeah, Tony, you're not wrong at all. There's very few players that see what is expected of him or her uh, that know the expectation level, and they continuously outdo it. He's one of those guys. He's just one of those guys that delivers time and time again. And honestly, Tony, you're, you're again one of the few people that I would, would understand this parallel I'm going to give you. But I thought ESPN's 30 for 30 on Wayne Gretzky's move from Edmonton to L.A. and the impact that that had, this is going to be of the same magnitude but even greater than that because it's not just in North America. Messi delivers every yeah. single time. He's been told, you're not good enough. You're not as good as Diego Maradona. You're not as cool as Diego Maradona. And yet at 35, he delivers a World Cup to Argentina, scoring seven goals in that World Cup at age 35. I was there in 14 when he lost the World Cup final to Germany. We were there for ESPN, and we saw what happened and the disappointment that was there and everyone saying he's never going to be able to do it again. Well, eight years later, he does it at 35. He continuously delivers... When everyone else says, ah, the the end's here, there's no way you can do it again. Honestly, it's one of the more remarkable things. I think on one hand, you and I could probably go through the athletes that have done so, and I think Messi's in that conversation.
1: Oh, it, it, yes. This is on a level above, you know, Tiger Woods is in that conversation. Michael Jordan's in that conversation. It's possible Shohei Otani is going to be in that conversation. Does he? Are you broadcasting tonight? Does Messi have a game tonight?
4: Yep. Messi has a game tonight. They play their interstate rival, uh, Orlando City. And I've got to literally make sure he's dressed, showered, ready to go. And then I'll be there six hours before because security <laughs> is a total disaster.
1: Uh the one the one question I'll get you out on this. I mean everybody said when he went that the Inter Miami team was the worst team in the league. They stunk. I don't know how soccer works. Can one guy of this magnitude actually turn the fortune of a team around?
4: No. And and, and what people are missing is Tony, and this is fine because it's headlines and Messi shows up, but he brought Busquets who's one of the best midfielders of his entire generation. He brought Jordy Alba, one of the best left backs of his generation, and then three under-22 signings that are going to be young, vibrant, and dynamic. There are six legitimate players coming in or Miami. They could single-handedly change it. But you and I both know basketball, LeBron, Steph Curry, they can win you 75% of the games just by being on the court. If soccer was that case, you and I wouldn't be talking about Messi's first World Cup at age 35 we'd be talking about his fourth one, or Ronaldo, or or whatever that may be. That's right. One player doesn't change it. It's got to be a collective, and I think that's where Inter-Miami's story is going to be said at the end of the year. If they make it to the playoffs, if they win a couple trophies on these side tournaments, yes, Messi did a lot of that because he brought some friends, but it's about the six players that showed up and a new manager.
1: Well, I certainly hope that you get a percentage of every new subscription to Apple, because there's going to be millions and millions and millions. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Taylor. Great hearing your voice, bud. Taylor Twelman, boys and girls. How about that? How about that athletic family? Yeah. How about something. that? Yes. A golfer, a baseball player? Yeah. How pretty, about that? Pretty good stock. And he wanted to be a baseball Whoa, that's exciting. Okay. We'll take a break and we will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
4: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: Here comes Tony, here comes Tony, here comes Tony's back. Got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony, here comes Tony, here comes Mr. Tony's back Gonna read some for all of you.
1: Fox. wouldn't it be nice to be able to do that it's just once it's, you can do it if you're annie chris yes. if you're us no you can't do that <laughs> it's lovely it's lovely oh uh, do you want to do the bethesda bagel ad nigel
2: yes bethesda bagels we love them you mm-hmm. will as well just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the dc area nearest you then pop on in and
1: you will be thrilled an anniversary present from Michael today. It's a bagel. It's not a bagel sandwich. No. Well, I can. I have one from the other day. If you want to take that home too, but you, you often look down at at that. It's been a while. So. Nine years in. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Ready for the bagel sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, a man walks down the street. He says, why am I short of attention? Got a short little span of attention all my nights just so long. Where's my wife and family? What if I die here? who will be my role model now that my role model's gone? Gone. Duck back down the alley with some roly-poly little bat-faced girl. That is the brilliance of Paul Simon yes. on the Graceland album. It's yeah. just, it's the greatest album ever made in the united states of america i think and it's if it's not it's in i mean it's on the short list just terrific thanks to our guest today tim kirkchen taylor twelman thanks to our sponsor today simply safe harry's razors remember you can listen to us on apple Podcasts, spotify google play odyssey if you get the show through apple please leave us a review from mark in Camby, indiana i pray you had a manual toothbrush during your power outage (laughs) I did. i did i always brush my teeth with manual toothbrushes and power toothbrushes. There you go. John in Herndon, I'm listening to the podcast about the power outage. Did it ever cross your mind to have Carol tighten all the screws on the outlets? (laughs) Did you quit toothbrush work? (laughs) From Brandon Borzelli in Lebanon, New Jersey, with a prolonged loss of power, it seems you're one step away from finding a Honda or a trailer parked on your street. Mm. The apocalypse is upon us. From Josh, writing an email. Josh in Fairfax, Virginia, just says, short enough? Yeah. Yeah, I I would like to point out
2: after the request for shorter emails? Yeah. We got about 75,000 emails just okay. like that. Short yeah.
1: enough? So only a couple made the, the- Any Danny DeVito ones?
2: <laughs> no, we didn't get any DeVito ones this time.
1: From Mary Faye Randolph, <laughs> B-O-E-R-N-E is pronounced Bernie. It's in the Texas Hill Country. B-O-E-R-N-E, I never would have thought. No, I would have, have gotten, that. gotten that wrong. From Mark Schmidt, as a prod Rochesterian, I'm always happy to hear my town mentioned on the show. It's nice that you discovered our White Hots. I'll give it time for garbage plates and boss sauce to make it across the transom, but your pronunciation is killing me. Zweigels, the creator of the White Hot, Hoffman who? Should be said with a long I sound. Okay, rhyming with higher high, so Zweigels. It's Zweigels, I don't know why, it's German. When you say Zweigels, everybody in the Finger Lakes region winces. Thank you. Heard a story about the Finger Lakes region. Heard a story about Skinny Atlas Lake, which is an area in the Finger Lakes region where friends of mine have Summer homes. Uh, Gooch Pearsall has a summer home in Skinny Atlas Lake. Yeah. Uh, Rob Stronick has a summer home in Skinny Atlas Lake, I believe. Do you know who just visited there? Well, you wouldn't know. Directly after the British Open. Who won the British Open? Do we remember? Do we remember? Uh, Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon. Oh, that's right. George's own. Brian (laughs) Harmon was seen in that area. Apparently his wife is either a Syracuse or a Rochester girl. And that's where he went, allegedly, right after the British Open. Brian Harmon. Nobody knows if he played golf or anything like that. But allegedly. He uh, he might have fished, sure. I don't know. Uh, He might have gone bow hunting for all I know. (laughs) I I, I don't know. From Joel Duth in Washington, D.C. You said on Monday's show that Bob Dylan is one of the two most famous people from Hibbing, Minnesota, alongside Kevin McHale. That's true. But what about the third? Roger Maris. Maris was born in Hibbing, Minnesota before his family moved to Fargo, North Dakota when he was a child. I have always thought it was Fargo, North Dakota. I did not know he was born there.
2: By the way, I was, we also had another email. Gary Puckett from Hibbing.
1: Of Gary, oh, is that right? Gary Puckett and, and, the, the, union and union the Union Gap. Yes. I had no idea. Yes. Young girl, get out of my life or something <laughs> yes, like that. That's from right. uh, Dave, Dave Solomon. Please give a shout out to the Montgomery County Little League for winning Maryland state title and Northwest D.C. Little League, both advancing to the regionals on ESPN Plus next week.
5: That hurts. You were me. In that City. hurts
1: me. Northwest, those precious little Northwest little leaguers. <laughs> yes, yeah. for you, Luke and Dave <laughs> says. But as Moco resident and parent of the Moco player, Eric DC can eat it. Um, from Jerry, Jerry Hughes. I've got two words for you and Mark Feinstein. Air tags. Recently on the trip, the person related to me by marriage and I traveling through a number of flights. Our last flight got canceled, and we found out that our luggage was being sent to a different state other than where we were going. The directional airline—I guess we know what that is—assured us we would get our bags. The one thing she kept asking me, because I spent so much money for air tags, was where was our luggage? No matter where we went, she kept asking me to make sure that our luggage
3: showed up when we got home. They have never failed me.
1: I don't know what air tags are. Do you uh, know what air tags?
3: This are? would be something that'll connect to your iPhone or any of your personal devices, so you can keep track of something. Okay, Ken in Lubbock. Is the new game obscure salvage
1: stores in Maine? How about the now-defunct Sandy sales in East Machias, Machias, taking those goods from natural disasters that even Martins wouldn't take? Their claim to fame was making national news for having their eight-foot-tall mechanical gorilla mascot. Seymour, stolen a while back. A $1 million ransom video surfaced, but ultimately Seymour returned home after police discovered the weighty primate in a cornfield in Vermont, about 750 miles away. From Dylan Lord in Lubeck, Maine, another two in a row from Lubeck, Maine. It might not be a one in a million, but what are the chances you read an email from a little in Lubeck, Maine, a small town of about 700 people then followed up with email from a little on Grand Manon Island or Manon Island, which is 10 miles off the shore of, you guessed it, Lubeck, Maine. Why do I care so much about this? From Tim Cree in Fort Collins, Colorado. Who was the company mentioned on Wednesday? The one that sells damaged, broken, or disaster-riddled items? Do they have a website? <laughs> I want to get some online shopping done early for Christmas, and I'm not the hugest fan of my in-laws. <laughs> sounds right up my alley. Find damaged couch Mark Hughes Christmas. in Ashton, Maryland. In your continuing quest to discover the perfect ice cream, have you tried Vanderwen's ice cream? The ice cream comes from a family farm outside of Georgetown, Delaware. On your way to Rehoboth, there is a Vanderwenz store located on the right side of the road just before entering Greenwood, Delaware. There's also a location in Dewey Beach. They have coffee, ice cream, and about 20 other flavors. Great ice cream and very large servings. You can buy a pint or a quart to go. Highly recommend. So I am very familiar with Vanderwenz. I've gone to Vanderwenz. That's right after the turn. There is an aqua-colored store right before you get into Greenwood. And I have had their coffee, ice cream. And it is very good. But I'm still an hour and a quarter, an hour and a half away from you need the, the house. cooler, yeah. So I don't know that I could keep it, you know, that it wouldn't melt, that something bad would happen. I've been to the one in Dewey Beach, you know, I, but it was very, very crowded and I, I left. <laughs> I just, you know. <laughs> Went over to Thrashers. But um, but
3: Vanderwinds, uh, the one that, that I'm talking about, has very good ice cream. Have you had their ice cream? I've never had the ice cream. We drive by it all the time. Yeah. It's one of those landmarks where you, that's sort of how you chart we're now well, at the beach. Where your progress is, <laughs> right, 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 right. That's a, as you're entering the first little town,
1: Greenwood, and the second uh, little to town bring it is down Ellendale. To
3: Thirty-five and twenty-five.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Not not a mile per hour. So over. when you get yeah. when you get right into Ellendale, when you get through Ellendale, you're about a half hour out, forty minutes at if, the most. Well, if we get you an igloo with some of those frozen
3: packs, it would probably work. I don't know. Get you one of those roto molded coolers. Yeah, those are really are those the ones that cost like five hundred dollars? I can I can spring for the Yeti. I got the the you, Arctic the yeah, the 35 court, the lightweight one. You have the, the best one out there, right? No, it's good for our purposes. Okay. Sitting on the patio right now. Your patio? My patio. What can I say? If you're <laughs> out on your bike, time to everyone as always. Do wear white. Who is Tony? Tony Kornheiser. Who is that? PTI guy. PTI guy, guy on ESPN. Okay. <laughs> Great. Johnny sat alone, it was hard to sleep.
0: Johnny's got problems, but Johnny's got big dreams. He could buy that boat and feel the ocean breeze. No need to stay here on his hands and knees. Johnny, did you think this would be easy? Just because you're back from on the ground.